Hey, turn in your Bibles to the book of Nehemiah, chapter 2. Nehemiah, chapter 2. How many of you have watched the news at all today? Anybody? Anybody heard about what's happening in Jerusalem and uh, what Donald Trump has decided to do? And uh, so we'll see how this all goes. And uh, so it's interesting. How many of you have not watched the news? How many of you know nothing about what I'm talking about right now? We're going to move the American embassy to Jerusalem. He's calling it now. Yes, that's exactly what a lot of folks are saying. So, and so there's a lot of problems going on. Palestine, Palestinians are really upset with this. But uh, he made that commitment in his speech uh, while on the road on the campaign trail. And so he's decided to make good on that promise. And so it's happening. And uh, so Tillerson and the rest of them are all making it happen now. So some folks are starting to jump through hoops. And, uh, but, uh, of course, Israel's excited. Uh, but the rest of the world is not. <laughs> so, and, uh, but nonetheless, um, boy, you can't help but see the scriptures sometimes. Amen. And uh, so he's made good on his promise, and he's going to follow through on it. So he told them that, uh, you know, Israel is our... Um, ally and he's going to make it so and uh, so he's moving the embassy there and so uh, <clears throat> everybody that was on board with it in the early 2000s are now saying he's creating uh, hardship for the United States so it's just fun to watch him backpedal after you know what they've said how many of you have seen them say stuff you know yeah <laughs> they're all all for it and they want peace to come and all that kind of stuff and so now you have someone just take a strong stance and do it so It'll be interesting to see what the Lord does with all of this. Amen? Because the White House doesn't control anything. Amen? The uh, Lord in heaven does. It says, Alleluia, the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Amen? And Revelation 19.6. So no matter what men may think or men may say, God is in control. So Nehemiah chapter 2, I'm going to read verses 9 through 12 to you. And we're going to look at this. I'm going to talk about what God put in my heart. What God put in my heart, uh, verse 9 says, Then I came to the governors beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. When Sambalat uh, the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that that was come a uh, man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. Now I didn't plan this, okay? This just happened today and I happened to be uh, put this message together already. So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days, and I rose in the night. I and some few men with me, neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me, save the beast. Boy, what a line. Uh, <clears throat> in verse 12, he says, um, uh, Neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do. At Jerusalem, what God had put in my heart is what I titled it. When Nehemiah was given a great task, and he was given it by God to complete this task, and uh, God used Nehemiah in a great way, and we know the end of the story. But as we go through it, we can see how God took a, a man who was working for a king and used him in a great way because of a submissive heart, a willingness to go and do what God had called him to do. And Nehemiah experienced some things on this trail of going and getting this wall built. He experienced a lot of loneliness along the way as well. And uh, when you are in leadership sometimes, 
you will have loneliness at times when you fall into a leadership position. Uh, this uh, godly leader found himself, as many leaders do, lonely in the ministry. And uh, he found himself lonely at what God had placed him to do. And you say, well, how, how do you see that? We'll look at this in just a moment about how Nehemiah knew what God had called him to do. He was trying to motivate others to do it. Uh, but there were times he was silent about what God was actually doing, but kept motivating people to move in the right direction to get things accomplished. And I thought about how many times you see uh, leadership, godly leadership in the Bible, <clears throat> alone. You think about Christ when he was alone at Gethsemane, and he asked the disciples just to kind of be off there in the way and, and to pray. And what did the disciples do? In, in a time needed, uh, they slept and they fell asleep when he needed them to pray. And Christ was alone there. And we find Christ alone a lot of times. We find him alone in the mountains, praying alone. We find him in the night uh, alone and in the morning alone. And we know that all forsook him at one point. And when he met the trial at the cross, the disciples fled. And that's a tough thing to read, but it's truth. And he was left alone. And godly leaders often can find themselves alone due to opposition. And sometimes opposition will come, and we saw the opposition that Christ faced, and we found him alone at times. You see the opposition that Paul faced in the Scriptures at times, and we'll see where Paul was alone in, when facing that opposition. We see Nehemiah finding himself alone when facing opposition. And a lot of times a godly leader can find himself alone when facing opposition. And then you find him dealing with the burdens for others. And his burden was to get this wall up. It really wasn't Nehemiah's problem, was it? <laughs> but he was burdened to get this accomplished because he knew that's what God had placed in his heart to do. God had given him this task, and he gave it to Nehemiah. And Nehemiah knew God had called him to do this. And so he was burdened for these others to get this accomplished. And so he knew he needed to help them. But I believe also that we see here that he had his personal burdens, and he was had his own burdens that he had faced. In fact, the king had asked him when he left, he said, set a time. He wanted him back. And so Nehemiah had to give the king a time that he would be back. There was a personal burden there to go get the task done and get the job done. But he needed materials and he needed things. And, and he knew that he had to ask the king whom could take his life to be able to give him the materials that he needed to complete the job. And he says in verse 9, Then I came to the governors beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. He sent some folks along with him. But you see that he meets opposition right away. These two men, Sambalot and uh, Tobiah, and we'll find them throughout these passages in the book of Nehemiah. They're always coming up against Nehemiah throughout this whole process. And, of course, they try to get others on board too to get him off track and to get him focused on the wrong things. And so I share this with you tonight because if you've ever been in a leadership position or God calls you, sometimes you're experiencing loneliness in the work that God has given to you. And you can find many men and many women in the scriptures at times that were alone in the task given unto them. But I remind you that the Bible teaches us we're never alone. For the Lord said, I will never leave thee, nor what? Forsake thee. So you're never really alone, nor was Nehemiah, but the burdens are not, not any less real. So when the Lord has uh, set a task or a ministry before you, you can take confidence that he's not left you alone, but provides you with his strength. I believe he provides you with his power. I believe he provides his partnership through the power of the Holy Spirit to get the work completed. And so if we're relying on self to accomplish it, oftentimes we'll hit disappointments and discouragement 
and yet God said, if you'll let me work through you and accomplish this and trust me, even when things don't look good or maybe when they even look bleak, I want you to know I'm with you. And so I think what we see here in Nehemiah's life, he faced some loneliness in opposition that he faced, and he faced some loneliness in his burdens for others, and I think he faced some loneliness in his personal burdens. But he said, I want to remind you what God had put in my heart, and he knew he had to get this done, regardless of how he was going through things or the things that he was facing, he knew he had to complete this. And when God has set forth a ministry, a task, loneliness in the work is not foreign to any leader. When you look at Paul's life or you look at the life of Christ, they faced opposition. Both those men did. And uh, we say, well, Christ is our Savior. Obviously, he faced opposition, but think of the opposition that Paul faced as well. And Peter faced opposition. And we see throughout the scriptures that uh, King Hezekiah faced opposition and and, uh, Nehemiah faced opposition. And we see that Abraham faced opposition at times. You see throughout the scriptures, Noah faced opposition. Uh, Moses faced opposition. It's not anything that didn't happen. Esther faced opposition. Uh, You look at uh, Ruth, she faced opposition. But God continues to work even in the face of that opposition. And so when Christ was tried, he stood alone, and even Peter looked afar off to see Christ as he faced the opposition. Let me give you a couple of verses, and just for time's sake, you don't have to turn there, but you can write these down in Matthew 26, 56, and 58. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. They left him. In fact, it says, But Peter followed him afar off unto the high priest's palace and went in and sat in the, with the servants to see the end. <laughs> now think about that for just a moment. He, he, he's uh, afar off from his Savior. What did uh, Peter tell Christ at one point? Oh, listen, I, I'll even, you know, die. And he said, Peter, before the cock crow, what? Thrice, thou shalt deny, or before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me, what? Thrice. You're going to deny me three times. And imagine Peter's heart, but what is Peter doing right here? He's afar off. He's looking at a distance to see the end. He wants to find out what's going on. And we know that even at that point, at that juncture, we do see that happen in Peter's life. Paul experienced loneliness when out preaching the gospel. He was brought before uh, the leaders and the Pharisees and uh, before others and was questioned without witness on his behalf. Let me give you these verses in 2 Timothy 4, 16 and 17. It'll make you cry if you really understand what was happening to Paul at that time. He said, at my first answer, no man stood with me. No man stood with me. And he said, but all men forsook me. Now, when he's saying that, I can imagine what kind of duress he must have been under and discouragement he must have been under at that time. And he said, I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge, notwithstanding, and this is what I love about Paul, because he always comes back around to bring you back around. Hey, let me, let me share this with you. He said, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. Amen? When no man would stand with me, the Lord stood with me. And I, I love Paul for that, because even sometimes when men won't work with you or walk with you, God never leaves you nor forsakes you, especially when you're walking with God. Now, he says, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. (laughs) He helped me in my time of need. And in fact, the end of that verse in verse 17, he said, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion because of God's strength, because of what God did, because of all that he accomplished. Now, Nehemiah found himself lonely in verse 12. He did also in verse 16. He did it with silence. 
And he says in verse 12, and he said, I rose in the night and some few men with me, neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me, save the beast that I rode upon. He said there was a few men, but I had to go out. I had to go view this thing. I had to find out what was going on. And he didn't really tell them what was happening. And you look at verse 16, it's very clear that he kept it to himself, uh, that he didn't really communicate this. Now, Nehemiah could have stayed and continued to serve the king. And think about that. I mean, he didn't have a bad job. I mean, he's there, he's serving the king, he's got it good, he's in the palace. I mean, he had it good. And he could have stayed and served uh, 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 the king, and he stayed away from this position of leadership for the Jews. He could have said, nah, forget it, I'm not going to take this on. But you know, when I read this passage, it helps me understand. He said, I, neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do. There was a task to get done, a ministry to be completed, a work to get done. And he couldn't communicate that to all of these folks because you imagine when he went over to Jerusalem, can you imagine the discouragement that was there and the walls are torn down and broken down and all that was happening at that time. And, and, and the people themselves were probably discouraged thinking this is never going to be overcome. We're never going to get past this. There's nothing going to be able to help us get past this thing. And yet God had placed this in Nehemiah's heart. But with a willing heart, I believe what he chose to do was follow the Lord's leading. And he did it with a willing heart. <laughs> he knew the task was big. He knew it was hard. He knew that he couldn't do it by himself. He knew he was going to try to encourage people that were discouraged. He was going to try to get folks to help him get something done that they felt there was no need to do it. It's come to an end. It's come to a close. And so therefore, what is the reason to, to soldier on? There's no reason to do this. And yet Nehemiah was given the task to complete. Jesus Christ, Paul, or other godly leaders, Nehemiah was no stranger to opposition, and we find them having to confront it often through this rebuilding program with Nehemiah. He, he, he faced a lot of opposition. Opposition will face you as a leader. But I think more importantly in that aspect is how will you face the opposition? How are you going to handle it when it comes your way? Are you going to stand in the face of opposition knowing that Christ has led you to do something, whether a work, a ministry, a task, whatever it may be. Listen, you're going to face opposition. Not everybody always agrees with you, promise you that. They didn't agree with Christ, did they? <laughs> they didn't agree with what Christ was doing, and, and they certainly didn't agree with the direction that he was trying to take things. And you imagine Paul on the road to Damascus and God gloriously saving this man and, and turning his life around. And here's one whom, when he came and said, listen, I've been gloriously saved. What did the apostles first do? No, we reject that. That's that fellow that was out there killing everybody, and he's going to come over here. You think that man didn't face opposition. He faced it from within, and he faced it from without. And Nehemiah did the same, but also Christ. Did Christ face opposition from the outside? Of course he did. But he also faced it from the inside because he had Judas there. And Judas was trying to tear down what Christ was building up. <laughs> and yet he faced opposition on the outside. He faced opposition on the inside. And what a tremendous thought that it grieved these heathen. I, I look at this and think about this for a moment. It says that these two men, uh, when they heard of it, it grieved them, notice the word, exceedingly. They were upset that this man had come on the welfare, on the behalf of Jerusalem. He came to do a work. He came to do something positive, something that would promote good and, and promote what needed to be done. And it grieved them exceedingly that he wanted to do this. 
And you look at verses 9 and 10 and you see this, what a tremendous thought that it grieved the heathen that a man was come to help the children of Israel. I think about the moving of the embassy to Jerusalem right now. He's up for, a, you think anything else he's faced right now is tough? You wait. <laughs> you watch what happens over the next week when we start talking about Jerusalem and start talking about it being uh, the center again of all things <laughs> in Israel. Godly leadership almost builds itself around loneliness and opposition and loneliness in opposition at times. In verse 11, Nehemiah rose in the night with some few men and it was at a time of a lean staff that Nehemiah analyzed the task that God had put in his heart. And sometimes you have a lean staff. There's not enough people to get the work done that you see set before you. And, and when you look at the work set before you, you can't stop. If God's placed it in your heart, get it done. Go forward, forge ahead, and trust the Lord in those times. And when you look at this, he analyzed what God had placed in his heart. He went out and noticed, he viewed. He didn't jump into action right away, analyzing before taking action. And I think sometimes when you analyze before you take action, it can help you get a clearer view of things sometimes. And God can do that. He'll slow the pace. By the way, God's not in a hurry. God is never in a hurry. And so sometimes he wants to take a look and get you moving in the right direction. As a godly leader, there are times you will find that late nights or when you get the job done through prayer and staying close and with the Lord and leaning on him and times that are lean. And God is there for you. And he'll help you through those times. A godly leader will know that loneliness of working through the night apart from others is how the job gets done sometimes. Sometimes that's when God's working the most, not the least. That's when he's doing the greatest work at times. And when the Lord has given you a ministry or a task as a leader, you can and will at times experience loneliness in the work. Now, when the Lord gives you a work, it will at times incorporate a burden for others. And boy, I'll tell you, there are times uh, God gives you a, a task or a work and, and the burden is great and you, you understand the burden that others may have. In verse 11, he said, so I came to Jerusalem and was there three days, and I rose in the night and some few men with me, neither told I any man. He understood this problem. He went there on their behalf. The welfare of these people was on his mind. He was burdened for all of this. When we look to it, sometimes the burden for others. And there are times when a leader is aware of the burdens of others, and they cannot be shared sometimes. Only the leader is aware of the burden, but he can't tell others about it. And a leader will have to bear those burdens with an individual or a family at times. You know, it's amazing how God will supply the grace necessary to handle these types of burdens for the leader. He steps in and he does things. And I watch what he did for Nehemiah here. I look at it and I'm thinking, man, where do you get all this material now? Nehemiah, you are a cupbearer. Where are you going to get all this stuff? It was a heavy burden. And God had called him to the task. But God then started to provide things, and then all of a sudden, the people's eyes were open to see what God was doing. And sometimes you have to still forge ahead. Nehemiah had taken on the burden of the wall for the people, and yes, this was an openly evident burden. But there are times whenever a leader is burdened and he can't share that burden with others. He can't tell others what's going on at the time because others' lives are involved. You know, I thought about Jesus Christ when it says in, in John eleven thirty five, 35, and all of us are very familiar with that verse, are we not? <laughs> How hard is that verse? Jesus what? Wept. You know, I think when Jesus was standing there and he wept, he had a burden for others, one that he couldn't even share with them that he had. <laughs> and they say, oh, you know, it's about Lazarus. It's about him being in the tomb. It had nothing to do with that whatsoever. 
You know what he wept about more than anything? If you look at the context of that verse, he wept over the condition of the people's hearts. For why raise this man, or resuscitate this man, if you will, when where he is would be far better than what he's going to bring him back to? And I think it burdened our Savior's heart. It wasn't about the fact that Lazarus had passed. I mean, Jesus fully was aware of where he was. But I think what he really had a burden about was the fact that the people's hearts did not understand what Christ had come to really do for them. He was burdened for those who didn't even understand their lost condition or need to be saved. And a leader must learn to remain silent on many situations. And I think that's what Christ did that day. He just stayed quiet. And he wept, for they would eventually begin to understand what he had come to do. And it wasn't just to raise Lazarus out of a grave. It was to come to save those that were lost. And there are times when they may even take that unwarranted attacks, and that's what happened to Nehemiah. And we'll find here in, in future chapters where he took attacks, and they were unwarranted, and they went after him. And they tried to conspire against him and tried to do things to, to harm the work and, and to cause people from the inside and on the outside to do things to stop the work or to stop him from accomplishing this. And I'm so mindful of what he said at one point because at one point they told him, you come down. And he says, I cannot come down for there is a work to be completed. There's a work to be done. I can't come and talk to you right now. And so what Nehemiah was doing is he's burdened for these people to get this work done. And there are times when those unwarranted attacks came because they're unable to reveal certain matters to all the people. And sometimes a person will come because they're discouraged. And when they speak to you, they expect you to keep their situation in confidence. And I want you to know, sometimes folks come to you because they feel that they can speak to you in confidence. And when you break that confidence, that's not healthy. And I'm not talking about someone having done some uh, criminal act and you're hiding it. That's not what I'm talking about. But I am talking about a friend or a, 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 a maybe a sister or a brother in Christ coming to speak to you in confidence and, and need some help with something, and you take that and you use that against them. Or you take it and you break that confidence and you just kind of pass it on. And listen, you can burden, you can be burdened for others, but when you're burdened for others, you're not taking information so you can use it. You're taking it in so you may help them. When someone calls you uh, to take confidence in what they're doing, they don't want you to break that confidence. I mean, as a pastor at times, i got friends who call me and, and, and they're in the ministry and they've got troubles. And there's heartaches and hardships inside churches, folks. And, and they've got these troubles and they want to know what to do about them. Well, I don't pick up the phone and call 10 other pastors and say, hey, you know what so-and-so's going through? <laughs> it's terrible. That's not what you do. But they have these troubles and they speak to you and they tell you these things in confidence and, and they're looking for you to keep that confidence and it's paramount that you do. So when they face their various troubles, you're there to help. The same is true for you and if you have to help them and you can't fix it or you can't help them and you need to seek further counsel, you either need to keep their name or you need to ask them, can we seek further counsel? You don't take it upon yourself just to do so. You work with them and help them. When I think this through a bit, a secret is something you only tell one other person. A secret is something you only tell one other person. And, and the reason I share that with you, when you tell someone a secret sometimes, it's not done in confidentiality. Because if Jim, I share something with him, 
and Jim only shares it with Lori, and Lori only shares it with Elise, and Elise only shares it with Dave, and Dave only shares it with Dom, and Dom only shares it with Carrie, and Carrie only shares it with Ann. Is it still a secret? So we look at the definition of it. A secret is something you only tell one other person. <laughs> but if every one person only tells another person, it's no longer a secret, is it? And so you have to take that into consideration. And sometimes it starts like this. Please do not share this with anyone else. And there's a three-letter word that follows that. But I'm going to tell you. And then that person says, please don't share this with anyone else, but I'm going to tell you. Be careful what you're passing on. Because especially when you don't have all the facts, sometimes you're passing information on that you don't have all the facts to. And Nehemiah was very careful about this, and we'll find out in later, later verses. 1 Peter 4.15 says, But let none of you suffer as a murderer, as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Wow, what a powerful verse. I read that, and I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, he grouped in busybodies with murderers and thieves and evildoers? Good night, man. So what does that say about someone that's just a busybody and involved in other people's matters? <laughs> Be very cautious about that. Nehemiah outlined and he analyzed the situation and brought the people to a resolution. And how did he do it? He did it based upon what God had placed in his heart. He did it based upon what God had led him to do. He based it upon God's word. This is what he, exactly what a godly leader does to help assist others with their burdens in their life and brings about a resolution through the word of God. Now, a godly leader... You'll be burdened for others. And when you're burdened for others, remember, never break the confidentiality that you have with that individual. Work with them. Help them. And if you need to seek further counsel or assistance, make sure that you're not passing information on. But help them to be strengthened. And how do you help them to be strengthened? By relying upon God and His Word. And so when you're burdened, you do the same. And so I want to think about this tonight as well. The Lord will also strengthen you regarding your own needs. When I look at this, and he said, I rose in the night, and some few men with me, neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem, neither was there any beast with me save the beast that I rode upon. Many times I think leaders have their own burdens that often they will carry on their own, but remember Christ never leaves you nor forsakes you. And whenever you're carrying a burden, I want you to understand Christ is there for you. I believe with all of my heart God was with Nehemiah. Why would God allow this to be printed in his word? If God had not put that in his heart, he let him say, God had placed this in my heart. Matthew 16, 24 says, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. He then says in Luke 14, 27, And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. But you know what I love about my Savior? He also said this, <laughs> In Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 uh, uh, through 30, he said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. <laughs> he said, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is what? Where do we take them? Your personal burdens you need to take to Christ. You need to take those things to your Lord and Savior. And when you're a burden, I believe this is exactly what Nehemiah did, because if you go back to chapter 1, what did we find about him? When he got the news, when he received the news, we see that he fasted and he prayed. He wept and he mourned. We see that about his life. And so where did he go with this burden that he had? And he took it to the Lord in prayer. 
Now, there are times of disappointment and sorrow that a godly leader will face, and they will seemingly face that heartache alone. But I challenge you to always remember this, no matter what you're going through. Christ is never far from you. (laughs) We're far from him sometimes, but he's never far from you. And, And so turn your heart over to him in those times. And a godly leader does not have as much heartache or as much sorrow, as much disappointment as his followers do. But I believe that Christ and Paul and Nehemiah had more. (laughs) I believe they had more burden. I believe they were burdened heavily about what was before them. And I think your life as a parent can bring you more disappointment and heartache than your children at times. And I watch my parents go through some tremendous heartaches over their children. And the things that they do, and the parent suffers at times, and suffers that disappointment, that anguish over what a child and a decision that a child makes. And it's hard on them, and it's hard on the parent. And maybe some of you have gone through some things yourselves, and you've faced those things, and it makes it really difficult at times when your child goes astray from the Lord. It's very heavy. And I always believe you'll carry a heavier load than they do. I think employers carry more of a burden than the employee does. I think that's a heavy load for them. I think parents more than their children, and I think pastors more than their parishioners at times. And whenever you look to the scriptures, you see that these pressures are there and they can overcome you or you can overcome those pressures by the power of the Lord. And I believe that's what Nehemiah did. He turned to God in that time. I believe the place that the godly leader will go with his burdens is that prayer closet. And you know, folks, we don't use prayer enough. I think it's one of the greatest uh, means of overcoming some of the burdens that we face and it can come through prayer. And, and a lot of times we don't see the desire, the need, or the want to pray. But the place that the godly leader will go with his burdens is that prayer closet. And go to the Lord in secret. And there are times you need to seek other godly counsel, but don't forget to go to the Lord first. Sometimes we want to find out what men think before we find out what God thinks. <laughs> we want to find out what men want to do before we find out what God wants to do. <laughs> we find out the direction that the men want to go rather than what God wants to do. Ten were bad and two were what? Good, right? If they'd listened to the ten, where would they be? And you think about it sometimes. Some men have things in their minds that God never intended to be there, and they're not leading in the right direction, but sometimes he puts a man in place to take a people in a direction. Matthew 6, 6 says, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. When thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Sometimes we're afraid to go to the prayer closet. But I'm sharing with you that sometimes that burden that you have, whatever it may be, listen, take it to the Lord in prayer. We say that, we sing that, but do we do that in that time of need? I believe that's exactly what Nehemiah did. And so when he was facing opposition, when he was facing all of these things, I think he understood no, never alone. I think he understood that God was with him. I think he understood that God had placed this in his heart to accomplish this. And so he was able to forge ahead because he had God. Now, there are difficult times, and you get down, you get discouraged, you receive negative calls, kids are disobedient, disputes are with your spouse, money issues. Things are difficult at times. And they do come our way, and it's hard. And yet, what do we do about those things? I know, how many want to listen very long to someone who's always on the negative talk? How many of you want to just listen to somebody that's negative all the time? You know, sometimes I can't stand to watch Fox News or... Uh, watch some of those, because it's just negative, 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 and it'll wear you down. 
And so negative talk can wear you down after a while. And whenever you think about negative talk, you know, uh, they always want to run their wife down or they want to run their husband down or they want to run the kids down or they want to talk about how they're defeated by their bills or they're just defeated and they're never able to overcome. And you know what that person needs? They need the Lord. They need God's word in them. And sometimes we just allow all those things just to overwhelm us and the negativity becomes so great that they can't see truth anymore. (laughs) I believe Nehemiah was just the opposite of that. There are burdens that leaders cannot share with the followers, just like a parent and child relationship. Sometimes a parent can't share everything with the child. And, and you have to understand that the parent is the leader and the children are the followers. Amen? That's the way it should be in our nation. I see a lot of that reversed today, but that's the way it should be. And I believe that the parent should not burden the child. Sometimes we get to that place where we just stop, I'm pressured. Or you get to the place where you... Uh, Listen, I can't take much more of this. Or you're at the place where you're saying, now look, you need to stop, get out, leave me alone. And we get to that place in our lives toward our children. What are they experiencing through you? And I, I sometimes wonder how they have handle those things. This is wrong. That's wrong. They never really hear any positive feedback from you at all. And you're always... In the negative, you're in the no. And, and you're at the place where you're constantly at that and you're, you, you just tell them, I can't handle this. And so what does your child see in you? I didn't see that in Nehemiah. I think as a leader, he understood he has to take upon this burden. And so as he forged ahead, he did what he needed to do. I got to thinking as a parent, you should avoid that type of talk because your children... We're not created to carry the parents' burdens, but the parents were created to carry the children's burdens. It's not the reverse. And so there are times where a leader is appointed because he is meant to carry the burdens, not to turn the burdens over to others. And so the leader has to sometimes carry those burdens. Constantly complaining about money? Don't do that in your household. Don't constantly complain about money. Because I'll tell you what will happen to your children when you constantly complain about money. They'll look at you and they'll watch you and you're always complaining about it. You're getting to that place where it's always about this and you're always telling them, I'm not going to do that. I'm broke. I'm broke. And it's not bad to let your children know that you work hard for your money. But to constantly complain about money brings them to the place where I think later on they start to worship money as their God rather than God being their God. And they turn and they see that you've never trusted the Lord for your needs, and so why should they? And often a child will depart from the Lord and begin to pursue their money as their God, having never seen you ever trust God for what you need. And so be careful about complaining like that. Nehemiah didn't complain. He went to the governor. He said, hey, I need this stuff. Or he went to the king and he said, hey, I need this stuff. I need this letter to pass over. I need to be able to get over to the other side, and I need these items. I need these things. And he trusted God in the situation. And God provided. I believe Nehemiah had to trust the Lord to meet the needs of the rebuilding of the wall. And I believe he had many personal times of prayer. And you'll see it as you read the entire book. If you just look, you'll see there are times of prayer in Nehemiah's life. Multiple times, him turning back to God. Facing opposition, dealing with the burdens of others, and dealing with his own personal burdens. He turned to the Lord in prayer. He turned to God, but he knew God had placed a task, a ministry, in his heart, and he was going to complete it because God brought him there. 
And I believe when God puts a work in your heart, you can experience loneliness. I believe Christ experienced loneliness. I believe Paul experienced loneliness. And I know Nehemiah experienced loneliness. And sometimes when you're called to a task, you can feel alone. But remember this, no, never alone.